everybody's watching spoiler free review this time on the Netflix series 1899 and as you can see it is from the creators of Dark I believe it's the same director slash writing pair couple and they are fantastic once again it's absolutely amazing I wouldn't say it's better than Dark in my opinion at least Dark to me is the best show on Netflix, at least the best show that is completed. But if you like Dark, then you can definitely recognize the writer's touch in this series as well. It's very complex, it's very thought-provoking, and there are a lot of layers to it. There's also a similar kind of aesthetic, the cinematography, the sound, the use of music is again incredible, just as it was in Dark. However, one of the major differences is how international this one is. Now, it mostly takes place on a ship, and despite the first poster that they released here, this one with this big triangle, which leads to a hole, and it looks like the ship's about to fall in in the middle of the ocean, a lot of people assumed it would be about the Bermuda Triangle, which is, you know, not hard to believe with this poster. It doesn't take place at all in Bermuda or its triangle, um, but it is very international in the sense that the cast and even the crew are from so many different countries. And that's pretty realistic for this time period where there were so many immigrants coming from Europe on ships to go to America. English is probably the most used language in this series, but it's not like it's predominantly English with a few lines of other languages here and there. Like, every character speaks their own language, pretty much. Only a few of the characters are bilingual, or at least use their bilingual abilities. For example, there's a lot of Spanish. There's a lot of French, there's a lot of Danish especially, German especially, and there's even some Polish and some Cantonese. So this is a pretty big story with lots of different characters, and it's really interesting to see how it unfolds. Of course, I can't talk about too much because there's so many layers to it, and it's very complex. And it's really kind of starts off as a mystery. And nobody really understands what's going on. And you as the viewer don't understand what's going on. And you learn more and more as the series goes. And I really enjoy that and appreciate that. So if you, like many people, have seen Dark and loved it, then I definitely recommend it. I think you're going to like it. It's different, yet you get all the things that you love out of Dark. Again, just the way the writer created this whole story and the way it's presented. Even though I didn't like it quite as much as Dark, I'm still really excited for the future of this show. I give it 8 out of 10. Alright, and that was the spoiler-free section. Now, right before I get into spoilers, let me say this. I post that on TikTok, so if you're listening to the Spotify podcast or Google podcast or whatever, if you're listening to the podcast, the full podcast here, the beginning audio clip where I do the spoiler-free section comes from my TikTok videos, which is on my account, Woody Ling, W-O-O-D-Y-L-I-N-G. I also have a separate account where I post all the reviews as well. In fact, I'm trying to post them there first now, so you can follow or subscribe or whatever uh, to what Woody's watching. Same as the title of this podcast with no spaces, no apostrophes, just one word, what Woody's watching. And I post my reviews there first, and I repost them to Woody Ling because that's my main account. I just started the second one because I'm thinking maybe if I separate the linguistics and the movie stuff and kind of keep them both specialized, then maybe it'll help them succeed a bit more. But I post everything on Woody Ling that is still my main account. So feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow that uh, 
please go on the videos and comment to increase the engagement of the video and help make it more popular and maybe that'll bring more attention to the podcast as well which is really what I'm trying to do so with that let me get into some spoilers on 1899 and I'm gonna try to make these podcasts shorter still of course I could talk about this stuff forever but I want people to be engaged I want people to actually listen so I'm gonna try to make them shorter quicker and I'm gonna try to come up with a format that is a bit easier to follow so I'm gonna keep it pretty simple I'm gonna do what I liked what I didn't like and any highlights that I want to point out so let me go over some of the things I liked just kind of generic things the acting was all fantastic the set production and design was fantastic the locations looked great it was filmed on a volume which to me was something I discovered from watching the behind the scenes of The Mandalorian. So I know a lot of the Disney Plus Star Wars shows use the volume to film. Uh, The Mandalorian, I think, is kind of what introduced it to most of the world. And I believe that was like the first show that really did it. And then watching the behind the scenes special on this series, if you click on 1899 on Netflix, it'll pop up under like the 1899 collection. I believe it's called Making Of or Producing or... Yeah, I think it's Making Of 1899 or maybe it's called Creating 1899. Something like that. But it'll show up on the collection on Netflix as well. So watching that is how I found out that they used it for this series. And like everything looks fantastic. It looks like they're filming on location, which as if you watch the thing, they say that that's what they wanted to do. But of course, with COVID, it makes it difficult to travel a whole lot and film in so many different locations. So this really helped them out. And I think it's real game changer for shows and movies in general. And to see it start to be used in high quality productions now, I think is, is really cool. And you can see the way that actors and the producers and the directors and everything really appreciate the flexibility that comes with the volume. It doesn't completely replace green screens and onset locations and stuff like that, but it is a huge help and it is better than green screen in many situations and it makes things a lot easier and more adaptable to your needs as well. I also want to highlight the music of this was fantastic as it was in Dark. I believe they got the same composer to come back for this series. And the music is used to such great effect. The soundtrack, the kind of mysterious tones and everything that go on, it adds to the sense of mystery. It adds to the feeling of the ship being kind of its own mysterious entity. And everybody that comes in just giving you that I mean, the soundtrack of any movie or TV show is so important. It kind of sets the tone and the aesthetic in so many ways and and influences you kind of subconsciously and consciously as to what's going on in the movie and in the show and things like that. So, you know, I was in band all through school and I really love to see how these things work, how the music is made and how it's used. And... I think everybody in general, you know, loves music and to see how it's used to such a great effect in this series is fantastic. And getting into the plot itself, I think it's fantastic. 
I don't have all the answers yet, but I don't expect to. I expect they're gonna they're going for probably three seasons or more with this series, and I think it does a great job to set up the future. And I'll get onto that later. But let me just talk about the plot in general. To go from starting as like a mystery at the beginning, thinking it's just a period mystery in 1899 on a ship, like everything seems more or less kind of normal. There are some weird things that aren't really explained. And of course, you know, once they find the Prometheus, the other ship, it starts getting more and more mysterious. And you're also at first wondering about all the different characters. Who are they? Where are they from? What are they doing here? Why they all seem to be kind of escaping from something or they're not all there with genuine intentions and stuff like that. But I think it evolves really well. So it becomes still mysterious throughout the whole show, but it's less of a period mystery, more science fiction more as you realize more and more that oh this isn't real is this a dream or are they implanting memories or then in the end you realize it's a simulation then that's when you realize kind of what's going on you still have so many questions of course because you're like why are these people trapped in this simulation and what are they doing there how do they get out can they get out and stuff like that but you understand that it's not just a creepy ship right of course it then gets replaced by a creepy spaceship but <laughs> i think that's really clever and i'll i'll get into some of my thoughts about that later but it evolves is, is the point i'm trying to make here and i think that's great so it keeps you guessing but it also keeps the story moving forward so now let me talk about some stuff i didn't like there's not a whole lot i didn't like there are Two things that I kind of want to mention here at first, the use of so many languages, and it's also something I like, but it started off as something I didn't like because it just seemed almost distracting to have so many different languages in it. And it seemed like, how are they going to have all these characters interact and communicate when they don't understand each other? And of course, you know, people can communicate to a certain extent with um, body language and context clues and stuff like that and a couple characters are bilingual with certain languages which kind of helps everyone tie things together just a little bit but it's um yeah it almost seemed a little distracting at the beginning and it almost seemed like they were adding in all these languages just to say that they have all these languages but as you get used to it as you understand the characters more and as you as the characters understand each other more, and like I said, they communicate with body language and things like that, it becomes easier for them to communicate and it becomes easier for you to understand how they communicate. And it's never so much, it's not like everybody understands everything. Like they're very clearly parts where people don't know anything that the other person's saying and they're both kind of having their own conversation, even when they're speaking face to face because they just don't understand each other's words. But they do kind of understand each other's emotions. And I think that's kind of the important part. And although I was kind of not a huge fan of it at first, even for me as a linguistics person, as someone who loves to see usage of different languages and authentic language use in movies and TV, like that's 
kind of how I felt about it at the beginning. But then over time, you get used to it, and I think it gets better. And also, it is a very realistic approach to languages as how they would have been used on a ship going from Europe to America in the late 1800s, early 1900s, in the year 1899. There would have been a lot of people from all these different languages that couldn't communicate with each other. And if something crazy happened on the ship and they all had to come together for various reasons, such as in the show, then that would be maybe how it really happens. I was a bit curious as to if it's realistic for them to have a like German bridge crew and then an English like waiting staff and engine crew and stuff like that. It seemed weird to have people that couldn't really communicate with each other that easily. Obviously, the captain speaks English and German, but and a couple of the other officers do. But, you know, most of the crew didn't speak both languages. So it, it seemed a bit weird, and I don't know if that was realistic, but of course this is science fiction, and then as you realize more and more that this isn't a real world, then it makes more sense. And when they revealed that the company that bought the ship originally was German and then another company bought the ship that was English and they kept the bridge crew like that kind of made sense to me I don't know if that's something that really happens in the world of ocean liners and ships in general but you know it that's how it seemed to me I was like oh that's my explanation for why there's a crew with two different cultures so yeah, like I said, that was something I wasn't too crazy about at the beginning, but I think I learned to appreciate it and understand it, and I think it, in the end it makes it great to see these things come together and to see how, in a real-world sense, how streaming services, and Netflix especially as the platform that kind of made streaming popular, has given people access to so many other countries of media. Like, to see... All these German, all these uh, Korean, Spanish, Brazilian shows and everything that I normally never would have seen because of the language barrier, because it's from another country. Maybe it's never distributed in the United States. You know, you don't really have the opportunity to see these things so much, and you didn't before. And now I think people are really getting exposed to it so easily. This so easily accessed from these streaming services. And I think people are getting over the... I guess, fear of having to read subtitles for a whole movie or CV, TV series. People are totally fine with it. A lot of people leave the subtitles on when they watch it in their own language, like in English, which pff, bothers me. If you're watching, turn the freaking subtitles off. If you can understand the language, ah, I hate watching English shows with subtitles on. Like, but I can't hear it. Raise the damn volume or just go to a quiet place. Like, I don't, I don't want to be watching the show in a noisy place where I need subtitles anyway. So, whatever. So now let me talk about the other thing I didn't like. At the end, you kind of, when you kind of realize everything that's going on, like the simulation is shutting down, it's going to, I don't know, it's supposed to restart or something. But they're like shutting down the simulation and the father is trying to use the key to like shut down the simulation and um, stuff like, or he's trying to use the key to reset it. I don't remember exactly what the key in the pyramid was for, but it doesn't work because he changed the code, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what I didn't like. What I didn't like was how I'm not really sure if the father's actually the antagonist here, 
Because throughout the series, it seems like he is. And it seems like Mora's brother is some mysterious character who's never in the show and is trying to help out and is trying to unravel this mystery and kind of fight back against her father, right? As well as her husband is also trying to help out and fight back against her father. Although, the way it seems in the end is like her father is also trapped here. He might have a different goal within the simulation, trying to do something other than what her husband is trying to do. So they're both at odds, right? Her husband and her father. But he's also trapped there. So is he the antagonist or is the brother the antagonist and he's the one who's trapped everybody there? Or is there a reason he has everybody there? And did Mora, like basically torture her son Elliot and like erase his memories or something like what happened there so I'm kind of unclear as to who's really good and bad who has good and bad intentions Mora whether she did something bad in the past I don't think she's bad now she doesn't remember it but that's kind of creating problems for her is that and for Elliot it's like did she really do this stuff to me because I don't know, I don't remember. And I think we're also experiencing that confusion. Now, if they explain it in the future, that's fine. Because I don't know everything yet. The show's not done. So it's not a problem that they haven't answered all the questions. But it just seemed to me like it was a bit... There was a lot going on there. A lot that was unclear to me that I would have liked to know by this point. But now my thinking is her father doesn't have the same goals as her and her husband well she doesn't really have any goals she just wants to understand what's going on I guess but her husband I'd like to think is the protagonist and her father seems to be an antagonist throughout this season but he's also trapped in the simulation because of her brother which seems to be the big baddie the overarching antagonist I guess so I'm anxious to see where they go in season two and how they they deal with this and who's really kind of controlling everything pulling the strings and stuff like that and if her father is gonna help her out or if she's gonna help her father turn against the husband or whatever so it's all a bit unclear at this point and I think it's meant to be that way because it is still a mystery but, yeah, it seemed a little too unclear for what I would have liked. But I think they will explain that in the future. So now to talk about some highlights. Of course, I mentioned the language use. Um, I think it's really cool to have such an international cast and crew as well behind the scenes working on it. And to kind of like accurately represent where all these people would be coming from. However... To see how it plays into the future will be really interesting. And one thing I want to mention is we noticed how the name of the spaceship when Mora wakes up is also the Kerberos. So it's the same name as the ocean liner. So that gets me thinking, well, obviously they're heading somewhere, right? They're on a spaceship. It's not just floating nowhere and they didn't show it orbiting the earth so it wasn't just on a space station so it seems like they're going somewhere 
And my thinking is, just like the ocean liner, they're trying to look for a new world to start a new life. So maybe, you know, classic dystopian ruined Earth future. Something's happened with Earth. They need to leave and they're looking for a new world. And that would kind of make sense to me as to why everyone is in a simulation because maybe they're in, you know, whatever you want to call it, cryosleep, uh, hibernation, you know, the long suspended animation technology from science fiction. But they all seem to be trapped and forced in this simulation and they don't want to be there and they don't know why they're there and they've had their memories erased and stuff. So that doesn't seem like something that everyone just agreed to be in while they nap through this trip to a new world. So I'm curious to see how they develop that in the future. And I think season two could be really good because I love space. I love science fiction. I love spaceship stuff. So if the next one takes place on a spaceship and this kind of all happens again, that would be really cool. I'm thinking maybe the people still in simulation will, I don't know if they're still trapped in like that place with all the archived chips or if they're going to be in like a restarted simulation and try to figure out everything from the beginning again, but maybe some different characters will be there and, and know a few different things, right? Maybe someone will remember a bit more about it this time. Meanwhile, Mora is in the real world on the spaceship trying to figure out what's going on, trying to figure out what her brother's doing, what her father was doing, and how to kind of solve all of this and put everything back to the way it was. I'd also like to highlight the use of devices, gadgets, machines in this. is something we also saw in Dark, and this kind of motif appears again. So it has these similarities, this kind of aesthetic that carries over from Dark. And I think it's really cool. So you have these devices like the pyramid, the guy's the husband's device that he puts in his pocket, the devices they use to like encode the simulation and stuff like that. And the other device of the machines, like the one in the engine room, and which seems to be like a real kind of heart of the machine. And just like the time machine and stuff like that in Dark. So I appreciate that. I like it. And it's a cool little thing to have that reappears in uh, this series again. So I, I think that's really interesting and... I like it. If you're a fan of Dark, you will get these similar motifs again, and I appreciate that. So that's pretty much all I have to say about this. Of course, I could talk about this forever. I could talk about movies and TV all day, every day, but I want to make these podcasts shorter. And, you know, they're still going 20 to 30 minutes on average, so I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to find a format that is short, entertaining, and informative. So if you have any suggestions... You know, feel free to leave a comment. I guess you'll have to go do that on the TikTok page, which is totally fine. Um, or if you're listening to this from the link that I post on my Instagram, which is CPC Woody, then feel free to send me a message or something and give me some suggestions. So that's it for this episode. Of course, uh, please like, share, subscribe, comment on the videos, the podcast on TikTok, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Instagram, and that would help me out 
a whole lot. I, I don't put them on YouTube anymore. Nobody was watching the YouTube videos anyway. So, yeah, if you're listening on the podcast, then thank you. Uh, if you're watching, well, the only place you'd be listening to this would be on the podcast. But if you're listening on the podcast, please, please go like the, the videos on TikTok or Instagram as well and help me spread the word and share get it out there for the world didn't know what time